Blossom Your Awesome Podcast, episode number 57. Today on the show, Julia Marie is here with us. Julia is a medium, energy healer, past life regressionist, intuitive guide, and teacher. She is the founder of the Academy for the Intuitive Arts, where she helps people deepen their connection to spirit through her coaching and courses in spiritual and intuitive development. Julia has led a spirit-guided life for more than 30 years, and she believes there is more to this life than the eyes can see. I am so honored and delighted to have Julia here with us, sharing her wisdom, love, and light. Julia, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I am so excited to have you here and get into this with you. I am going to say we start with your background, how you got into this line of work. Well, um, I would say it's more of a lifestyle than it is a line of work. Um, For me, anyway, I started out as a very sensitive child, and like most people, I'd have hunches or get hits about people, but for the most part, I would disregard them or think it was my imagination. And then I'm going to say about 30 years ago now, well, almost 35, I experienced what I would call a spontaneous activation of healing energy. My hands would get hot when I'd get around people that weren't feeling well. Now, I'm not awake at the time. I'm not aware of this thing called metaphysics or spirituality or intuition or any of that. And so I didn't know what it was, but I started to notice that my hands would get hot when I get around someone who wasn't feeling well. So I started to pay attention. That's basically how it all began for me. Eventually, I started to offer my friends and family, like, I don't know what this is, but let me experiment on you. So everybody I knew became guinea pigs and I just would flow the energy as I was guided. Mm. And I got tired of telling people the story when they would say, well, so what kind of energy healing do you do? And then I would tell them the story. And eventually I found something called Reiki, Mm -hmm. got attuned to Reiki but only so that when somebody would ask me what kind of healing I did, I'd have an answer. I'd just say, I'm a Reiki master. And then I would continue to do what it was that was flowing through me naturally, which wasn't Reiki, but it didn't matter. It was having an effect on the person I was working with, and that's all I cared about. So I will say this, when I went to the Reiki class, the hand positions that I learned in that class were very similar to what spirit was having me do. So I thought that was almost like a validation that maybe I'm, this isn't my imagination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So for me, the unfoldment of going from energy healer to spirit artist, to someone who does readings, to a medium unfolded naturally and organically. And as I look back, I can see that it was a progression that happened over time or a progressive expansion of my capacity to handle ground or move with the energy, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. It does. I think that's so beautiful because it comes about in different ways for everyone who's exactly. Yeah. So I just, 
I love some of this terminology, you know, this uh, uh, spirit artist. I mean, that's so beautiful. I've never heard that before, but where does that, is that, how did that kind of come about? spirit artist is that just your own thing that you refer to or I just love the sound of that no actually spirit art if you google it there are people that are intuitive or or I intuit that are intuitive that do this kind of work that call themselves spirit artists so I would say it's probably a subset of or like a specialty like a doctor can be a general practitioner he can be a pediatrician it's like that so the kind of spirit art that I started out with was doing what I called soul prints. Mm. And I would just take whatever impressions came to me, primarily a color, and then that color would coalesce into an image that it seemed that people could use as a gateway to their own connection with their own higher wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I used pastels in my fingers. So I would it was almost like I was depositing the energy of who they were on the paper, and then they could then take it away with them. And those images evolved over time into something that included past lives and uh, soul messages and all kinds of symbolic things Mm -hmm. and eventually led to uh, someone's father showing up in the background. I didn't recognize him as that at the time. I just knew it was an image I needed to put on this woman's paper And that actually opened the door to the mediumship aspect of the spirit art for me. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when I'm doing readings, I will get a pencil sketch that I render of the communicator. Wow. So they get to see their loved one and know that this is who I'm, this is who I'm perceiving as I'm giving you the messages that are coming from that person. So you are drawing at times rendering an actual sketch of the person you're connecting to on the other side. Yes. There's an example of it. Yeah. There's an example of that in um, chapter 21 of the last breath, which is true stories of mediumship, the afterlife and messages from heaven. My chapter is chapter 21 and included in there is an image of a young man's mother that I drew and the tattoo of her that he has on his back. Mm, wow. Oh my God. This is just so out of this world. I love this stuff. Now tell me, Julia, so were you always able to kind of render and sketch or did this come about spontaneously as well? I will say that I have the genetic capacity for art because my mother was a brilliant artist, but I have no training. So Mm -hmm. it kind of the my ability to draw something that didn't look like a Picasso picture came over time. Mm-hmm. So the, it was it was a skill that I had rough talent for that as I worked with it, I got better with it. But I am not and and when spirit is really moving me, the artwork that's produced is different than when it's just me. So there are times when I feel like I'm overshadowed by something or someone and then the art that is produced is very different. Mm, wow. Okay. And now I know from, you know, being in communication with other healers and mediums and stuff, I know this, uh, you know, it can be draining. 
and it takes a lot out of you. So is that the case for you? Are there times you feel like, whoa, that was heavy duty or that was a lot and feel a little kind of, you know, taken aback by it? Or what is that like for you when you're working with spirit? Um, I learned the hard way to recognize my limitations. I used to overextend myself because I really wanted to help as many people as I could. And it took me a few, more than a few, times of working all day as hard as I could the whole day back to back and then being exhausted for two days after to realize that I'm of no good to anyone if I don't be good to myself. Mm -hmm. So I've learned to pace myself. I only do a certain number of each kind of work every day. And I make sure not to book day after day. And because that changes with time too, as our physical bodies get older, we just can't quite do as much quantity wise. We still have the quality, but the quantity might not be as big or as many as when we were younger, let's just put it that way. Mm -hmm. So I've learned to adjust according to my feeling, my sense. When I start to feel tired, I quit. Mm -hmm. uh, I love that. Now, tell me for you personally, like how has this changed your understanding to be able to connect to the other side, how has this changed your understanding of life and death? And uh, is there a component or belief of rebirth in there for you now as a result of that? What has changed for you in your understanding of it all? Um, okay, I'm going to try and be succinct here. So, because it was a tiny question you asked with very broad, <laughs> very broad. Sorry, it was loaded. That was a loaded Yes, it question. was. So, so from the perspective of the soul, mm -hmm. there is but one lifetime. However, the soul has many experiences in the dimension of time. So those would be the separate lifetimes that we as humans at this level of our experience are aware of. That's why we would say, oh, past lives or present lifetime or future lifetimes. But to the soul, it's all happening at once. So mm -hmm. that changed in my perspective. I don't see my past lives anymore as past lifetimes. My soul is experiencing those simultaneously. So decisions I make in this lifetime affect those other lifetimes. Mm -hmm. um, second, uh, life after? Yes, well, of course, consciousness continues. I have had some wonderful conversations with uh, people living on the other side of life and what I've learned through interacting with them that love like life never dies. The stronger the bond of love is that we have with the people that we know here, the stronger that bond is when they're no longer physically with us, but they're always spiritually with us. Mm, wow. Okay. So the stronger that bond when they're no longer physically with us. So is that because they're able to kind of connect from these other 
realms in a way that we can't when we're kind of weighted down in a physical sense? Is that, I'm just trying to understand that. Is that accurate or? Okay. The relationships we build with our, the people that we love and care about here creates a connection in this dimension that when that other person no longer inhabits that physical body anymore, for whatever the reason is, the bond that I've created with that person still exists. And if it's a strong one, then it's going to be a strong bond with them in this other dimension. Mm. That is just so beautiful. Now, what about... What can people, or what would you say to people who are um, kind of grieving a loved one? You know, what kind of words of comfort or, you know, something, hope, can you offer just from your experience of connecting? I would say first, they need to allow themselves to have the grieving process and that um, seeking out a medium right away may not necessarily be the best thing to do. But if I were to give them hope in general, I would say that they need to know that no one ever dies alone. They don't suffer and they want you to know they're okay and they're with you. Those are the pretty standard messages that I hear. Mm. And when we're grieving, it's very it's more difficult for a good solid connection to be made if the person who is depending upon where the person is in their grieving process. I don't make it a hundred percent rule. You have to wait X number of time because that's not up to me, but I will say that it it is easier if they've if, if the person here has at least given themselves an opportunity to get through the the initial shock of the loss and the depth of the grieving. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's uh, really just awesome advice because I think sometimes when you're in that space, it's hard to kind of, you know, really know where to turn and what to do. And um, so thank you for that. Now, let me ask you, for people, is it your belief that when, you know, these certain things come up for us in life, a lot of times in my experience, not for necessarily for me personally, but people I know I've connected with, I've worked with, there's maybe like a health crisis that comes up. And I have found time and time again, that that's like uh, some sort of sign message from the other side, divinity source, whatever you want to call it, kind of, um, opening up this gateway to an awakening of sorts. Do you believe that? I believe that sometimes that can be the way in which we're awakened for a lot of people. I know sometimes those health crises come as a way to get them to slow down and pay attention. Mm-hmm. So it it doesn't necessarily always mean it's an awakening from my perspective. If a person is experiencing kind of like a sensation of 
They're wearing, their life is like an ill-fitting suit of clothes and things don't quite fit anymore, or there's a sense of unease around the outer edges of their awareness. Those are usually the signs in my experience that, that are possibly portending, oop, something in your life is about to change and your life is about to change in a big way and your awareness is, a start, is starting to open up. Mm-hmm. And the whole process of awakening can be a challenge in and of itself because usually it can be precipitated by, I just lost my job or my house or my friends are all gone or I'm getting a divorce. All kinds of things can be a trigger for an awakening. And like you said earlier with the whole way that our intuition comes online, that's exactly the truth. I believe that it's unique to everyone. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, for people who are kind of on the cusp of attaining, you know, or not attaining, but being kind of headed towards spirituality, they're not really, they've maybe kind of dabbled in it. There's some fear around it. There's, you know, all these uncertainties of the unknown. What is some practical guidance you have for people who want to kind of become more spiritual or start to learn to lean more into a potential awakening? Well, I've been teaching intuition or how people can learn to trust those signals for about 15 years. And I teach it from the perspective that number one, we're all wired the same. So everybody can, everybody's intuitive. It's not magic. It's something Your physical body has five senses, and not once during the day would you ever question what your eyes are showing you or what you hear with your ears or touch with your hands. We take it for granted. And yet when we experience the same sort of input coming from what I call your soul senses, because your soul has, uh, there's a spiritual analog for every one of your physical senses. Let's just put it that way. But when that input comes in on those non-physical channels, we question it. But that's really what we're naturally wired to receive. We just choose to think it's scary or woo-woo, but it's actually how we're naturally designed to work. And I personally believe that intuition's a life skill and that anybody can learn it. And so from the practical standpoint, you can take little steps and and validate it for yourself and treat it as an experiment. I'm gathering information. It's not about being right or wrong. It's about noticing how, how I feel when that information hits my field. Mm. And so is that when you say that, um, so are we talking and I, you know, I have my own experience with this, but just for the listeners, are we talking about, um, a feeling, a physical sensation, you know, it can be all sorts of things, right? But uh, is it a physical feeling that people should be looking out for? Or what would that be? Um, Probably 80%, 85% of people probably get it physically first. But Mm -hmm. if they want to develop their intuitive side, and they they're nervous about, oh, I don't want to do readings or anything, Okay, if if that's where they're coming from, then they can start with just noticing what they're noticing. 
literally what's going on around them and what's happening inside of them or in their physical body. Mm -hmm. So if, if they pay attention to, and I recommend people write it down to other people's body language or maybe thoughts I'm having when I meet somebody, what was the first thing that happened? Did my, did my stomach clench up or did I get this happy butterfly feeling when I reached out to shake that person's hand? All of that is intuitive information. Most of the time we disregard it. But if I'm starting to notice that and I make a little note somewhere and then I observe, eventually my intuitive hit is going to get validated one way or the other. Oh, that was correct. There was a reason why I had that clenchy feeling in my stomach or why I was excited about that person. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, that was awesome. Practical um, guidance. That was really, really a great. Thank you so much for that. Now, let me ask you, we all have you know, this intuitive ability and we can develop that, but some of us, or, you know, like yourself are, do you ever feel like you're kind of chosen? Cause you're kind of on another level where you're able to connect, you know, and it wasn't, and I understand that it kind of, some of this ability and skill set you developed over time and you get, you know, better at it, but you were kind of, it just came to you. Um, I would say that I would not consider myself chosen. I believe that, especially in the beginning when the awakening or whatever you want to call it happened, I could have very well said, I don't want to have anything to do with this. And instead of, as you would put it, leaning into it, Mm -hmm. I said, no, I want to stay normal. I believe that that would have been also my my decision. I chose to see where that path was going to take me. So every day we can make a different choice. If people want to make a choice, I want to be more open to that kind of information. I want to be more aware of all of this potential that I have in my own self as a human being. I want to realize my full potential as a human being because I believe our intuitive aspect is part of our fuller human potential, then I believe that um, we all self-select, that no one is more special than anybody else or is chosen probably somewhere before I incarnated into this incarnation. I had a, I had a list or I wrote out, well, maybe when I'm X number of years old, give me the opportunity to have it blasted open in a certain way. Mm. And when that time comes, I can either roll with it or push through and continue to live my 3D life. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's what happens for a lot of us that have it, have it, have it open in that way. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, as far as chosen, I didn't mean it in a way like, Uh, No, just for people, you know, so I'm kind of clear about that, like you're special in this way, but chosen to kind of do this work where you're able to connect and help people. I mean, this has got to be so um, rewarding for you to be able to give people these messages from their loved ones. What is that like for you? 
when I when I look back, because as as you and your listeners know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, mm-hmm. and I know that my soul was calling me to serve before long before I was awake. But how I responded to the call to serve humanity was I went into the service because that's the only thing I knew unconsciously that fit my soul's call to serve. So I actually served in the military for a while before I realized, oh, this isn't, this uniform doesn't fit. And it was shortly after that that I had the healing activation, which then led to what I believe is my true calling to serve, and that is to help people in whatever way that I can. And that includes, you know, the communication from the other side, but also energy healing or messages when people just need some clarity about what's going on in their life. Sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. And it's helpful to have someone with eyes who can see that's detached from the situation give us some perspective that allows us to make a better decision. Mm -hmm. Wow. And now, you know, our soul's calling to serve. We, so many of us, you know, and I do believe that everyone has a purpose and a passion. I truly believe that. But so many people struggle to find that. So what is your guidance for that? To never give up on, on the incredible creativity that spirit will use in order to help you find your path. And so as long, it's my belief, it's my opinion, that God does not put a desire on our heart that cannot be fulfilled. We do not have this desire to serve or to do whatever good it is in the world that we want to do without also having the capacity to fulfill that. And so I would say to people, find ways that you can be of service where you are right now and look for ways to be of more service in the future. So if, if, if I'm an empath or if I'm a sensitive person and I'm working in the healthcare field, yes, I know I probably need to monitor myself and make sure I don't get too blendy blendy with other people's energy fields. But sometimes I might be aware that the person that I'm drawing blood from could use uh, well, how are you doing today? Or, oh, that blouse you're wearing looks really nice. Maybe I can sense that in them, but because of my work, I don't say anything, even though that might be a very small service that might make the difference in their day. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And now, you know, talking about energy fields, some of us are more sensitive than others. How do we, what's that uh, practical guidance for kind of warding off that negative energy or keeping your energy field uh, positive and, uh, you know, safe? Um, the, my standard recommendation to people and um, episode two of my podcast when it launches later this month is going to be called the Empaths Toolkit. But the primary thing you're going to get in there is grounding yourself energetically and also physically because we're bioelectric 
energy beings. And the best energy for us is ourself, our own energy. So we need to be mindful throughout the day so we can, whatever grounding, whatever spiritual grounding technique you want to use is fine. As long as you're rooting yourself in the earth and allowing that, feel that circuit, the connection of the flow of the energy. And you can ground your physical body using um, earthing products from Clint Ober's his name, but you can sleep on an earthing mat that will ground your physical body that will help reduce inflammation and make you physically feel better and lessen the effects of what happens when we pick up energy from you know, the people we find ourselves around when we're basically psychic sponges. Mm-hmm. So I would say um, if you're around a lot of people and you might not, you might not be monitoring yourself as well, you can carry a very large piece of tumbled hematite. And I always recommend that people put it in their uh, jeans pocket or in the pants pocket to where it's near your root chakra. That'll hold your energy in, in the main, in the main chakras. So you'll be more, you'll be more, there'll be more of you present in the body. Mm. And then of course, at the end of the day, if you're not feeling good or you feel tired or you feel out of sorts and you've been, especially if you've been around a lot of people, don't go to bed with all of that on you. Go take a shower and imagine the shower is light and that that light is washing anything that's not you out of your energy field and down the drain. Mm, I love that. I love that. (laughs) So you're not trying to process it while you're sleeping because that's what will happen. And then you'll wake up tired. Yes. And now speaking of the light, what are, uh, in your understanding, in your philosophy, what around us emanates light, that powerful light source? How do we tap into that? Where does that come from? And uh, how do we kind of surround ourselves with more of that? Um, one of the very first, very first teachings that I was given by the beings that taught me is that we're spirit animated form. So what around us emanates life, light, we do. We are more, we are made up more of that than we are of the physical realm. So um, from the perspective of looking at, if I'm looking at the non-physical light, then I'm going to say interacting with nature, especially in the spring, is a good way to raise your vibration. Mm-hmm. And because most healthy trees and animals and plants, they emanate pure forms of what you're calling light energy or life force energy. Animals, dogs are all about unconditional love. Cats teach us about receivership. So whichever one you're drawn to interacting with animals, um, Rose quartz is a good stone for people that want to put gentle, supportive 
light slash love energy in their environment. Place it around wherever you intuitively want to. That would be something good to do. And meditating on the light would be a way to bring more light into your physical, your physical and auric field. Mm, wow. I love that. That is so beautiful, Julia. Like you are just, um, you have so much insight into this other side or just tapping in. So what about, you know, if we feel and sense things like I hear from people sometimes that they feel like their uh, loved ones on the other side are trying to communicate with them, but they don't quite, they can't quite get the message or they feel it, they sense it. But so would that next step be to go to a medium or someone, you know, such as yourself to kind of gain greater clarity? Is there something they can do on their own to connect more with their loved ones and have greater clarity around that? Here's what I know. The universe, including our loved ones on the other side, they still interact with us. And um, so usually it's probably not that they, they, that the loved ones are trying. It's probably that the person doesn't believe that that's their loved one. So I would say always write it down, make a, make a note about that. And you can always say, okay, dad, if that's you, uh, give me another, <clears throat> hit me up again in another way that's familiar or even just like that within 24 hours. For me, I know that when I see pennies on the ground and their heads up by the car, mm -hmm. that's usually a sign from, <clears throat> from my father. Mm. Now, one time I went to pick a penny up off the ground because it was heads up and it was by my car door. And I had a very strong feeling I was to leave that penny there. It was like, oh, this isn't my penny. So I said, okay, dad, if you're trying to let me know you're around, I want pennies by the car the next place I stop. The next place I stopped when I came out of the store, there was like more than one penny heads up on the ground by my car door mm -hmm. that weren't there when I went into the store. Right. So they can hear us. They do understand. And when you have that feeling that your loved one is in the room with you, they probably are. Hmm. Because they want you to know they're still around and that they care. Do they have to, does a person have to come see a medium? No. But here's what happens oftentimes in a reading. The medium is going to tell you how your loved one is connecting. So if you're paying attention to what's going on around you, you're going to, you're going to get validation in the reading about that. Does that make sense? It does. Yes. Wow. That's such a beautiful affirmation. And I think a lot of times, you know, we want one thing, but we struggle, like you say, they're, uh, you know, it is their loved one, but they're kind of struggling to accept that. Yeah, it's really them. So that's just such a powerful affirmation coming from you, someone who works uh, with spirit uh, 
to affirm that for people. That's awesome. They um, love us. They want us to know that they didn't go anywhere, that they're still here, that they will always be with us and that they celebrate and support just like they always did. Wow. Um, now I am going to say, uh, Julia, you are just, oh my God, I'm like, I could keep picking your brain here. You have so many insights from just being so dialed into this. Um, so I want to, first of all, just thank you for your time today. This just means so much to me to have you here sharing all of your wisdom and uh, these affirmations for us. Well, I want to thank you for allowing me to come on and speak with you and have this wonderful conversation. We kind of we kind of went all over the place, but it was a very enjoyable ride, so I appreciate the opportunity. Oh, thank you so much, Julia. Now before I let you go, the last question is if there's a message, your hope for the world, just a message you'd like to leave us with, what would that message be? I teach people to work with their intuition, to become more connected in that way, because I envision a day when everyone will be able to follow their guidance and be where they need to be when they need to be there, prepared to give or receive whatever it is that needs to happen in the moment, because that would bring peace and there would be no lack or want anymore. Oh my God, I love it. That was such an amazing uh, message and such a powerful way to close. Julia, thank you so much. You're welcome.